Hello and welcome to episode three of the Sportingly Average podcast. This week's title is Don't Call It a Comeback, uh, and we'll get on to why if you can't guess later. You're joined by me, your host, Phil, and as ever, my two co-hosts, Juppers and Reese. Jupp, how are we doing? Good week? Hello. Yeah, all right. How are you? you are, you're sounding much clearer. Is there any reason for that? Ah, so our thousands of listeners have written and complained about the quality of my microphone. So I've got this very fancy looking thing. And apparently I sound exactly the same in all my work calls. So money well spent. <laughs> Good stuff. Hopefully it comes through. But um, maybe it was the content more than the actual sound quality they were complaining about. We're not sure. Ah, uh, no, that's that's Reese. That's Reese. You guys <laughs> I, was, I was genuinely sitting here ready to make that joke. And you've, you've literally <laughs> both stolen it. Apologies. Well, how are you, Reese? Oh, I'm really good, thanks. Very warm, Phil, aren't I? Very warm. It's yeah. very hot here in England, the heat wave. Too hot again. But... Yeah, I'm glad you're wearing a shirt this week, though, Phil. <laughs> Slightly more <laughs> I mean, clothing. Vest. It's a vest. Indeed. Good. But, uh, I'm yeah, good. Let's, I'm ready uh, to go. Let's get stuck into this week. So, as always, the format, a few uh, weekly topical stats, and then we'll get into the main body of the podcast of Don't Call It a Comeback, where we've all researched some themed statistics. Um, yeah, I'll kick us off this week. So my uh, stat of the week is uh, all around the late, great Bill Russell. Uh, so Bill Russell, unfortunately, passed away, um, I think it was last week or the week before, uh, I can't remember exactly the day, at the age of 88, I believe. Um, and he was widely considered one of the greatest basketball players of all time. So I thought I'd just uh, bring up some of his statistics, records that he still holds, uh, and a little discussion around him. Not only was he a fantastic basketball player, he also did huge amounts for the civil rights movement, uh, sort of widely considered him alongside Muhammad Ali as the sort of founding fathers of the original like hashtag, not just an athlete, etc. Obviously, they didn't coin that term, but uh, as it is sort of widely known now with LeBron James, etc., coining that term, Muhammad Ali and Bill Russell were very much uh, some of the founding fathers of that sort of movement. Um, but just in terms of his basketball achievements, uh, they are really are absolutely astounding. So he was a Boston Celtics player from 1956 to 1969. And in that 13-year stretch, he won the NBA championship 11 times, uh, which is still a record to this day. Um, and it includes the last two victories uh, as player coach, which you don't really see nowadays, <laughs> where uh, given how just how professional things are now, you can't really imagine uh, there being a player coach at the very top level of the game and actually winning the championship. Um, yeah, so he was the first black coach in the NBA and the first black coach to win a championship. He won two consecutive college titles, the NCAA. Uh, he was the captain of the Olympic gold medal winning team in 1956. Uh, in the 13 years in the league, he was an all-star 12 of those times, so he missed out on being an all-star once. Five-time MVP uh, and the finals MVP, most valuable, most valuable player award, is now actually named after him. Um, so yeah, truly ridiculous career accolades uh, and on top of that he's Mad. got the presidential medal Mad. of freedom which he was given by uh, president obama i believe um so yeah sadly passed away at the age of 88 but what a what a man what what a career just pair quick just quickly what's the criteria for be, being in a team uh, of all-stars or what's the criteria so... for being the All-Star, um, I'm not actually sure if it was the same back in the 50s and 60s, but nowadays um, it has changed very recently. But for a long time, there was essentially an East and a West All-Star team and they would play each other sort of two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through the season. Um, and they are voted for by uh, I, the percentage split, I can't exactly remember, but it's coaches, fans and sports journalists all put in like their first, second and third votes and you get I don't know, three points for first, two points for second, etc. And the highest scoring 12 from the East and 12 from the West or whatever the exact number is, um, play each other in, a, in an all-star game. So if you get selected for that, you are an all-star for that year. So is that the same for all American sports then when they say they're 
All Stars. Uh, I think the setup is the same. Oh, I get well, NFL's All Pro, is it? Um, the Pro Bowl. NFL All All Pro is a um, the Pro Bowl's the equivalent. All Pro is like a, a media selected uh, team at the end of the season. So oh, like all being all is... NBA, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. But yeah, there's there's some we, form uh, of there's some form of like yeah. all star game. So to be an all star, you roughly yeah. need to be one of the best twenty players in the world that year. Fair. Yeah. I'm, um, position. It's funny that this kind of thing doesn't happen in British sport because I think we just cheese it. Like if we had to, to vote for our best Premier League footballers, for example. <laughs> oh yeah, someone in. you know, like Dave Kitson is getting votes in. Exactly. No idea who that is, but yeah, he sounds great. Let's put him in. He's, he's I would a very love to see. I would love Reddit. to see an all-star game in the in the Premier League. That would be good, but they probably win. Well, it, it wouldn't work already. Maybe Klopp's too busy. City versus Liverpool. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, fun fact as well about uh, Bill Russell. Do you know what number draft pick he was in 1956 draft? Oh, I want to draft say two. everyone. He was indeed number two. The draft being everyone sitting at home. Um, you're, you're kind of selected uh, in order so every teams get a, a pick in the first round and the second round. And so basically the best player in the entire thing will be the first overall pick in theory. Uh, yeah, Bill Russell went number two behind a chap called Tom Heinsohn. Uh And it's so Tom Heinsohn was eight times NBA champion and a six time NBA all star. Uh, and the NBA Rookie of the Year, so it's relatively rare, I think, that the sec the first pick could be so good, and the second pick could still be a little bit better than him. Yeah, um, he must have been but, Celtics I mean, as well, right? He was on, the, yeah, he went to the Celtics at number one, and then the Celtics immediately traded for Russell, number two. That's going to be my next question: How they got the second pick as well? Yeah, crazy stats. Can't imagine someone winning eleven of thirteen national tra- titles in any sport it's, anywhere. It's mad. Yeah. It's worth mentioning that part of the reason that could happen in basketball is when you've only got five players on the team, it, it's much easier for one player to have a disproportionate impact. Yeah, and there are fewer teams back then. It's not the sort of bigger leagues that they have now, but even so, very impressive. And he was in and around the same era as Wilt Chamberlain, who famously had a 100-point game. And um, interestingly, whenever they played, Wilt Chamberlain traditionally had a better game than Bill Russell. But the Celtics would normally beat the 76ers to Will Chamberlain play for. Yeah, they're two kind of widely regarded top 10 players of all time. And they were clashing. I think they played something ridiculous like 25 times against each other. Mad. Um, yeah, my salary. And then I was alongside that, sticking on the basketball theme, we have our first uh, fan mail. Fan mail, press the buzzer. Yeah. Jeffy, have you got soundboards? I'm going to put some horrid soundboard sound there. <laughs> I have it here. Yeah, something no, like. No, go on. What cruise liner horn or something. Right, I'm, I'm ready I'm ready for you, Reese, when, uh, when you come on. I've got some stuff for you. Yeah. Uh, but Brilliant. this is a submission from Lloyd, uh, who says Dear Phil, Jupp, Reese, and Matt, the background lurker. <laughs> Enjoying the podcast, the mixture of two of my favourite things, sports and numbers. I particularly enjoy the thoughtful and well-presented thoughts and statistics, specifically from Phil and Jupp. Um, the thoughtful thoughts? Who is this yeah. guy? Mug. Yeah, no, no, no mention of Reese. No, that's interesting. Um, an interesting stat I stumbled across the other day was to do with NBA vertical leap records. Um, for context, vertical leap is the height added from a vertical jump from normal standing height. Um, and for reference, the hoop is 10 foot off the ground. Um, so he gave us a table of the top 10 vertical leaps of all time, um, sorted uh, yeah, as sort of the, the vertical height uh, added in inches. Um, I won't go through all of them, but he picked out a few very impressive ones. So for context, Michael Jordan is 78 inches tall and his yeah, vertical Jordan. leap was 48 inches um so he could jump 61 percent of his height which is ridiculous Damn. um but he picked out one particular player anthony webb um who was only five foot seven so 67 inches tall and uh five foot seven in the nba would almost certainly put you at the shortest player now 
Um, oh, now that Nate Robinson's retired. I was um, going to say, I hope Nate would be up pretty high up yeah. that list. Um, he can leap uh, 46 inches, which isn't the tall at uh, most by any means. It's only two, it's two inches less than uh, Michael Jordan. Um, but it is a whopping 69% of his own height, um, which is... That's utterly ridiculous. An incredible, incredible jump. Um, and so his jump was 46 inches. For context, the average in the whole NBA is only 28. So Anthony Webb is about 16% shorter than average, but could leap 64% higher. Um, yeah, yeah, but I think surely that makes sense, right? The, the shorter players can jump higher. Well, it, it, well even in terms of um, kind of absolute leap, he still he can jump the same height as Zach Levine, who won the dunk contest last year, the year before. Yeah. So he's that's just an absolute outlier there in terms of uh, jumping ability. Um, Sorry, what, won, he, what he is himself, the dunk contest? Uh, every year, as part of the All Star Weekend, there is a slam dunk contest where sort of six or seven players um, have sort of several attempts to dunk the basketball in the most artistic, impression, impressive fashion ah, okay. possible um, to get points uh, and, and win the dunk contest. It's not super formal. Um, I might say it's an excellent way to spend uh, <laughs> like half an hour on a train just going through YouTube highlights of the old yeah, dunk contest. You get some, you get some impressive um, stuff. Vince Carter 2000 dunk contest. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, people at home. We're going to sit here for for two minutes in silence while you <laughs> look for Vince Carter 2000 NBA Slam Dunk Contest. Exactly. Um, and then Lloyd just signed off saying, for context, so this Anthony Webb, if you piled, um, if you took the UK average salary in five pound notes and <laughs> stacked it on top of one another, he could jump over it with two inches to spare. So that's that's. <laughs> I mean, I can't even visualise that, frankly. Pretty big jump. Um, Yeah, thanks very much, Lloyd. Enjoyed that uh, NBA fact. And it's always nice to know that um, myself and Juppie's thoughts are being appreciated. Um, Absolutely. Reese, there's always room for improvement, don't worry. Um, Speaking of which, Reese, do you want to try and impress our listeners one final time uh, with your, uh, (laughs) before we beat you off? This is is it. Celebrity get me out of here style phone in voting. Uh, Finally, I'm frankly I'm surprised I made it this far. Um, I will, and you know what, Phil? I'm going to start off by impressing you not with my knowledge, but with someone else's knowledge. Good so you remember that the last my last stat of the uh, stat of the week or themed stat, whatever it was, I can't remember. One of my last stats was athletics based about Shelley and Fraser Price and the rest of the Jamaican sprinting team. Got a uh, got a little little message here from another another avid listener, Will. I don't know if you can listen avidly to two episodes maybe he listened he just he was an avid listener to both episodes intent listener yeah very intently exceptional podcast big fan possibly of me possibly of the podcast i don't know he didn't say (laughs) anyway so a fun athletics world championship stat from us from will uh from the world champs a few weeks back now the usa managed to sweep both the men's 100 meters and the men's 200 meters medals which is the first time this has been done but even more surprisingly, none of their sprinters made it onto the podium in both events. So there are six separate medalists. And then they managed uh, to only come second in the four by 100 meters, losing to Canada. That's, so, that is amazing. Clearly, a lot of time lost on the changeovers there. A lot of time indeed. Did they just like run a raffle for who'd be the fourth sprinter? Because they got... <laughs> It was, actually, one, it was two, actually three. Uh, <laughs> it was it was Jappy. They just put Elon was, Musk or something. You was Joe Biden jump over. Out. Jump over his average salary in five pound notes. Hurt his ankle before the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, lads. Uh, but yeah, was sorry, what, what, when was that? Sorry, what, what year was this? I missed out. Oh, this was this was early. This was this year, earlier this year at the uh, ah. at the World Championships. So it had been what three, four weeks ago, as of the time of recording. Yeah. Yeah, that was the the two hundred meter guy ran it in nineteen three one, which matches uh, the who's the record holder before Bolt, Michael Michael Johnson Johnson. Yes, boom! Sports knowledge. 
so that's a great that's a great stat, Will, and I actually wish I'd thought of that last week and, and went with that. Um, but on to my own stat of the week. Uh, and it is regarding the Euro 22 final. On the 31st of July, yeah, England buddy. versus Germany. And the specific stat is 87,192 fans great officially number. in Wembley Stadium. Great number. So uh, I think a record crowd for, for any um, Euros final ever. So that's men or women, obviously. I mean, let's pick it up properly. 87,192 sat and watched the Lionesses' victory in the Euro final. We won! We won! <laughs> Told you we did, and we said we'd do an emergency pod if we did, and we haven't. So consider this a uh, late emergency pod. The just because... to the Lionesses. I think exactly. Um, unreal. It was a either. super afternoon, wasn't it? Such a final. Such a good final. I gen- genuinely was like incredibly into it. It was just me alone in my flat, because uh, flatmate was away. But just me sort of screaming at the TV to a level I haven't done since like the since uh, watching the Euro 2000, uh, 2021, 2020, yeah. sorry, final in, in that pub. Remembering Luke Shaw's first goal. But we won this one. It was better. Another great goal. Um, so it's the record crowd for any Euros final. It didn't quite beat the global record for attendance at a women's football game, uh, which was 91,553 in March 2022. Uh, Barcelona versus Real Madrid in the old Champions League quarterfinals. But who cares about that? Because we won. We're European champions. <laughs> the women's, the lionesses have gone and done it. Take that. Brexit Call it home. Um, so, so many great stories from that. Uh, we'll, we'll edit that out. We'll edit, we'll edit that out. Um, tricky to do. Um, so, so many great stories from this. So, Beth Mead wins the golden boot. Six goals, five assists in, was it set out of seven or eight games? Like, ridiculous. Um, Chloe Kelly, so in she tears her ACL in May 2021. She misses 11 months of football, including the Olympics, July and August, which must be absolutely crushing. Um, but she gets back in time to make the squad and she scores the winner. Uh, you've got Ellen White, who I think we've probably all seen that newspaper article that came out pretty recently about her being banned from uh, the Chilton Youth League in 1998. One of the highest quality uh, <laughs> leagues in that, in that sort of particular particular area um for being a girl even though she was clearly like good enough to play in some sort of chat about um parents on the sideline telling people to start try and kick her because she's just a girl uh and of course who could forget jill scott who played in the 2009 euros final also against germany but we lost that one so we don't talk about it <laughs> uh, but she comes on in the 88th minute and uh and and does a job and is subject to the best slow-mo ever so what's this logo? If you see it, you know. I'm <laughs> I know exactly about. what you're talking about. Oh yeah. About. We can't say it on the podcast because we're in trouble from the she, podcast police. She was seen mouthing well uh, good tackle well played to one of the German players. Or at least very I think it was that. Sp- it was it was lots of four letter words or so something like that. Yeah, she she was she was she was impassioned, let's say. Uh, but my favourite thing about this stat, so 87,192 fans of Wembley, they sold 87,200 tickets. Eight people didn't go. Yeah, boy! <laughs> oh my God. Wow. That was a complete Mon- accident. A complete Money accident. well spent. Money Sorry. Well spent. I'm definitely leaving that in. Anyway, yeah. Oh. 87,200. 87,200 tickets sold. Eight people didn't go. What else could you have been doing? What else could you possibly have thought was more important than watching England in the Euro 22 final? I'm glad you asked. Thanks, world. I uh, I actually had a little Google at other things that are available in London on on that day. And here's here's an array of things that you could have done. Uh, Firstly, maybe two people went to the annual student flamenco show. (laughs) <laughs> in Edgware Road. Oh, yeah. The annual, yeah, once a year, maybe that's it. Uh, alternatively, maybe maybe two went to uh, Car Shelton's annual lavender harness, harvest, which is London's only pick-your-own lavender event. Oh I see God. why. I see. There's other football games. You can only pick your own lavender once in London. <laughs> only once. Um, there was a magnificent mosaics in London Wall. Maybe, that, maybe they were there. Or alternatively, and possibly one of my favourite here, 
the Secret Cider Gardens event with Roman Kemp, star of Gogglebox. So maybe that's what we're doing. Um, well Something worth to think about. Well worth to visit, I think. Absolutely. Uh, a secret cider garden. A se- well, we'll never know, but two people may have done because they gave up on their tickets to the Euro final. <laughs> maybe I presume it's just some kind of maybe it's like secret cinema type thing where you, you buy a ticket and they tell you to go and drink cider somewhere with Roman Kemp from Gogglebox. I don't know who that is. But if I keep saying his name often enough, maybe we'll get some kind of sponsorship from Gogglebox. <laughs> <laughs> Do a special episode where people could. Watch us no. No. recording the pod. No. no, one day, one day, one day. Absolutely not. Uh, and that's that's. I've got this bonus extra, so hit us with it. Here you are. So the top. What do you think the best attended games of all time are? So I mean, they are all at the World Cup. So I remember when you said you were doing this and I was kind of guessing and I, I'm sure it has to be South America because they've got stupidly big stadiums there. And like River Plate Boca gets just like 140,000 absolute nutters, not in seats, <laughs> packed in, just going crazy. If any River Plate or Boca fans are listening, we do apologise, you're not all nutters. Yeah, just some. Um, so I, I'm going to go. You're right. You're right. If it's uh, if it has to be a World Cup, oh, trying South American World Cups. When was one in Rio? Uh, probably 1950. There was Mexico. Yeah, I'm going. I can't narrow it down beyond South American World Cup. Then, if you said it's a World Cup, I mean that's pretty. That's pretty narrowed down. Um, and that's some absolutely great podcasting there from from all three of us, I think. Um, yeah, so the most attended game, the 1950 World Cup final between Brazil and Uruguay at the Maracanã. Uh, Uruguay, Uruguay 1-2-1. Uh, secondly, you've got uh, Mexico-Paraguay 1986 group stage at the Estadio Azteca in Mexico. And then third, you've got Mexico-Belgium um, in the uh, 1970 group stage at the Estadio Azteca. And for some reason, I haven't actually written down the number of people who attended each game. Um, so I'm going to briefly Google this. Smooth. Yeah, it I mean, it has, you, you see all the pictures and stuff in the South American stadiums. They are absolutely ginormous. Ooh, 173,850 yeah. <laughs> at Uruguay, Brazil. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. 173. God, what wasting your time that's twice that's more than twice as many what a waste why, why are we waste talking of, why are we talking about the lionesses let's talk about brazil uruguay 1950 oh next pod next pod anyway that's it that was good. Side, side quest while you're on google reese where yeah. are the what, what are the biggest capacities in stadiums uh, worldwide. yeah oh so imagine because imagine this the u.s NFL stadiums are enormous, right? So um, if the US ever held, holds the World Cup, that record's going to be broken. Well, some uh, of the college stadiums as well are crazy. Big big top two you wouldn't expect. So apparently with a capacity of 132,000 is the Narendra Modi Stadium in India. Uh, so mainly sort of cricket stadium. And uh, second with 114,000 is the Rungrado 1st of May Stadium in Pyongyang. I suppose there's a difference between, capacity, between official capacity and how many you can fit well, in. Well, they used to build bigger stadium. stadiums. They build them smaller now yeah. for safety because they're worried Mid- about people falling and dying of things. And oh, yeah. Classic health and safety gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't but sure yeah, where you were um, going with that. Yeah. Yeah, but basically, sure. the, ne- the next bunch are all, uh, are all North American states. You've got Michigan College, uh, 107,600. Trojans, I think. Uh, and then... Also above 100k, no, it's the Michigan Wolverines, Trojans is USC. Um, then you've got uh, other other colleges, you've got um, Penn State, you've got Ohio Stadium, yeah, uh, then you've got uh, College Station, Texas, you've got Tennessee, and, and the LSU Baton Rouge. So yeah, North American College Stadiums, 100k plus. Intimidating. Nice. Yeah, well done, Lionesses. Yeah. Super stuff. Brought it home. Uh, Juppie, what about you? 
Hello. So slightly less interesting than my usual stats of the week, um, but something I was somewhat surprised by. Alexa in the bloody background. Um, is that I, I didn't know this, but the Commonwealth Games this year piloted something new, and that was in the form of esports. Now it was slightly different, yeah, than um, it was marketed slightly differently, and the medals tables didn't contribute to the full medals tables for some unknown reason. I think they were just trying to try everything, see how it went, see what the popularity was like, blah blah blah. Nerd medals, um, not sport medals. Nerd medals. The nerd medals. That's- <laughs> Outrageous <laughs> comment, Reese. Outrageous comment. Um, considering one of the sports is a game close to your to your heart, albeit the the slightly not good version, and that is uh, e football, which used to be called PES or Pro Evolution Soccer. I don't know why they didn't use FIFA. Probably because it costs too much to run at a almost um, esports thing. Um, I think because doesn't like PES use like. Rather than saying Messi, it would say Lessie or Desi or something. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have for the player rights. Fulham was West London, West London Whites. Yeah, Arsenal was always like yeah, North London Reds or something. Merseyside Brilliant. Reds, Merseyside Blues. I remember uh, doing bits with a uh, West London Blues, aka Chelsea, with their striker up top, Didier Doltra. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he was Brilliant. good. Yeah, I went um, close international. But yeah, so there were three three sports or three games. Do we call them sports or games? I don't call them sports. So three oh, sports. sports. One which was Dota Two, which is like um, a strategy fighting player versus player thing, where you have to collect various stuff to power your characters up to then defeat various bosses in the team. Very very popular game. It's probably one of the largest esports games you can play with a huge amount of prize money that's played in various tournaments and whatnot. Um, the other was eFootball, which is, yeah, as you mentioned, Prohibition Soccer. Not quite FIFA, but basically FIFA. Um, and then lastly, there was Rocket League, which I was a bit surprised at, which is yep. essentially football with flying cars or quick cars. Big fan. Um, and it's, again, very, 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 very popular. Um, they can't actually fly, jump, but you can jump and they've got rocket boosters <laughs> there you for go. people at home. It's not actually flying. And you call them nerd medals, <laughs> you nerd. Whoa, I'd love a nerd medal. Yeah, now you backtrack, weasel. Anyway, so um, <laughs> any guesses on team that finished top of the table? For um, And don't forget, in, when you think about these medals, it's not a large number of, of gold medals wins, but silver, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so is it the Commonwealth Games? No. Yeah. I was going to say, cause you have to rule out, the, rule out South Korea. <laughs> You do indeed. Okay, here's a hint. South Korea is, isn't that far away from this country that came first. North Korea. <laughs> uh, India? No, not India. Um, right, any guesses? Um, um, let me just uh, go onto Google Maps and have a look. No, I don't really. No, no. I, I mean, my my. You looked at your maps and still didn't have a guess. That's that's. I'm, I'm fund- Well, I've only just got that. I'm I'm fundamentally hamstrung here by my complete lack of knowledge of the British empires. Uh, oh, do you know what's oh, on that topic? Actually, you know what's really interesting. So technically, Cornwall have a right to submit an individual team for the Commonwealth Games. Really? Oh wow. Yeah, they they are technically the Cornish people are labelled as an. As a min- minority, I think, and a, of a particular type, and they're under the Celtic brand, not brand, sorry, Celtic <laughs> brand is a shocking turn of phrase there. Whatever, Celtic, I don't know, people, family, yeah, family. yeah, um, kinfolk. And so, for the last like 20 years, they've been sub- submitting their applications to submit a team into the Commonwealth Games, it's been rejected every time, and they're hoping to have another chance in 2026. So they can, so on they 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 can apply to join, but also they're continually rejected. So technically, they're part of England, but technically, they could also submit an individual team under the name of Cornwall. Hilariously, but if they could, but they can't because they're not being allowed to. Yeah, someone somewhere has said no. Um, this is the answer. And... Technically, I could date Rihanna. 
no, there's no technically there. Just, <laughs> they can't all have a chance of competing at the, uh, the Commonwealth Games, right? Apparently so. Um, it's not like Australia or New Zealand, is it? Uh, oh, sorry, it's back to the stats of the week. Uh, no, yeah. it was Malaysia. Um, oh, three wow. gold medals to be top of the table, and then England came came in second with five total medals, um, but less gold. <laughs> That's a classic. Um, five total medals. Four bronzes, was it? <laughs> Uh, no, you got five medals in five... total. It's like describing yourself as top six when you come sixth. <laughs> um, anyway, so another small piece of history here that was made is that there was the first, I think I can rightly say this, the first ever trans athletes won a gold medal for Northern Ireland in the e-football game. Um, Emma Enzi oh, cool. Rose. Um, so so if, if this ever becomes a legitimate sort of part of the Commonwealth Games, I guess, then she would be the first trans esports athlete to win a gold medal at the Commonwealth Games, which is quite cool. Um, well done, Emma. Oh, amazing. What so, was her name again? Emma. Well done, Emma. So the, her like, uh, gaming name is MZ, but her name is Emma Rose. MZ. With two eyes, yes. Got to have two eyes in the game. Of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, like and then, of course, ask the question, will esports ever be involved and ever be a part of the normal... Summer Olympics. Oh no, it shouldn't. I don't Why think not? it'll ever be Summer Olympics. Half the stuff that's in there shouldn't be part of the Summer Olympics anyway. I think it might end up. It'll have a year. Someone will host it, the Olympics, and you know you can put in like two or three events. Um, I think on isn't it one of the upcoming American Olympics putting in baseball? Um, so that's what the Japanese did. Yeah. So I think you'll get it in one Olympics and then not again. Is it going to be hosted in South Korea anytime soon? Not sure. I don't think so. Would put my money on them. Out of anyone. It's pretty big out there. Pretty big out there. Yeah. So what, if we ever host the Olympics again, or the Britain going to try and put in that we've got a reasonable chance of winning? I can't remember that. What sport Binge drinking. Did, was London the one that introduced what climbing? Um, not sure. It was women's boxing, oh, um, now, mixed doubles tennis, and some changes to cycling, track cycling. Oh, put, put more cycling events in so that we win more medals. Is that it? Yeah. No, it's the downhill cycling, the uphill cycling. Uh, I think it was more women's events in the cycling. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, nice, good, uh, good stuff. That it's only been Mm. three episodes. You've got esports in as a real sport on the on the podcast. I'm waiting for the. It's been in my ideas for podcast episodes, and I think it might be the second entry in there is esports for me. (laughs) Whole episode episode of esports. Give the people what they don't want. (laughs) Well, we're giving the Reese, so we're already halfway there. Yeah. Sorry, soundboard guy. Who's, you've used your soundboard once to press it accident, <laughs> accidentally. Press it by accident, yeah. And it was it's rubbish. Yeah, Don't come up with it as well. <laughs> Don't come up yeah. firing shots at me, chief. Awful. Um, I'm ready for you. It's, it's all here. Right, on to, uh, <laughs> on to the main part <laughs> of the podcast. The uh, namesake, as it were. Uh, don't call it a comeback. So... Uh, we all went away and had a think about uh, impressive comebacks uh, and we were kind of, you could in, interpret that how you wanted um, and we'll go, let's go to Reese first. Let's uh, discuss your your comeback story. Oh, well, and Juffy is so excited for this that he has walked away from his chair. In disgust. Uh, unbelievable. Probably to try and find a new soundboard that isn't rubbish. So, right, my... Um, I was trying to think a little bit out of the box with with this, and so um, for me, a comeback is when you're basically you're you know properly up against it. You're on the on the on the cusp of losing or, or beyond, and uh, you somehow manage to, to turn it around and pull it back. I don't really know why I've defined a comeback because everyone knows that. And uh, <laughs> Phil told me that I wasn't allowed to do the uh, NFL uh, Super Bowl 
uh, from a few years back between the Patriots and the Falcons when they came back. Allowing Chris Brady through three uh, full throws, eight pointers in the uh, third third to win it. If people think that's what I sound like when I talk about NFL, I now get it. I absolutely get it. I'm sorry. I'm reevaluating everything. Uh, they came back from 26-3 down, which is in the third quarter, which is a big, a big comeback. But what I've done instead is I've gone to, I've looked at, I've looked at men's tennis five setters, and I've looked where, where people have come down, come back from two sets down. Um, now I've gone specifically to to men's tennis just because of the five set. Like rule, you know, that you, it's possible to be two sets down and then have to win three sets on the bounce, as opposed to the women's game where you, you know, it's physically impossible to be two sets down because of the 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 rules that the governing bodies have put in place not to cast. Not so to, you're saying to that you, you men's hate, tennis you hate women's women is what you're saying. No, n- n- no, women are, not like it. Reece. Women are fine. Women are fine. They're all right. <laughs> I don't mind them. Your your response to you hate women was saying women are fine. Yeah, Probably the same about men, though, so equality. <laughs> More irritating, frankly, so if you, got, if you two have anything to go by. <laughs> if we're representative. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, right, so in tennis Grand Slam finals, seven men have come back from two sets down to win 3-2. Um, I can't decide so... if I'd guess more or less than that. So there's four a year, and they've been going for a while, but if you turn them down, you're probably going to lose it. That's it. I, I haven't f- f- um, spread this out to like a wider uh, wider base of you know, how many times have people come back from two sets down across, across like tennis games in, in general, I suspect. Yeah. Not too True, many. And that only, that is probably... Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you think as well, especially in men's, it's been dominated, right? For the last mm. couple, they've been close, but not a not as far away as you can see two sets then lose yeah exactly i suppose the point is by the time you get to a final two two players have battled through different sides of a draw so it's not like a first round where you might expect there to be maybe a slight mismatch where someone could go two sets down because they're playing terribly and then get back to their sort of mean it's just you know much more unlikely um so seven in total uh, just to keep things relatively brief i've gone i've picked out a couple that i i thought were more interesting uh so firstly Andre Agassi versus Andre Medvedev. So the nineteen ninety-nine Roland Garros final. So three hours in total, so not super long. Uh interesting about this, so Agassi starts off by losing the first two sets, six one, six two, pretty quickly. Uh and then absolutely turns it around in that second half, comes back and wins three on the bounce, six four, six three, six four. Um so what's that? One one That's break, maybe the, two uh, in each of them. Quite the change. Yeah, uh, and just I think having been absolutely battered in those first two, um, to come to come back and 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 do that was obviously pretty pretty special. Um, the second, which will this is a familiar name here, so Nadal versus Daniel Medvedev in the 2022 Australian Open final, and he is a relative of Andre, obviously. Uh, so. Nadal uh, comes back to win this. Um, he, what's interesting about this is it's five and a half hours long, Ooh. so five hours twenty-four minutes, the second longest major final ever. Nadal loses the first game six-two, and then loses the tiebreak in the second seven-six. So it's not quite as much of a sort of a pasting as I. He lost the first game six-two. First set six-two, yeah, six-two. Set, sorry, crikey, six-two seven-six. So what's that? Two, yeah, two breaks, uh, and then. You know, vintage, vintage Nadal. We obviously love seeing it. Uh, comes back to win six four, six four, and then seven five, tiebreaker in the final set in an absolute marathon game. Second longest major final ever. It's honestly ridiculous. What's more interesting about this, specifically in Nadal's case, is that is his first comeback from two sets down since two thousand and seven. That is fifteen years, um, which is something and what i actually wanted to do was find out what the number one in the charts was and uh when he played that game but i've i've forgotten to so as in who's yeah i was gonna say that's 15 years 
And who was, do you know what was number one in the charts on oh, right. the 1st of April? Actually, I'm going to do it. I'm going to bloody do it. Oh, oops. That's allowed. Fine. Uh, what was the uh, longest one. major of interest? Um, was it the 2012 Australian Open final between Nadal and Djokovic? It was five hours, 53 minutes. <laughs> yeah, that'll be it, actually. Yeah, that, that was the one. That was in my so guess. But I'm assuming you've the, researched that. So Obviously. Obviously. Obviously, um, so something so about yeah, the was... Australian Open in years ending in two with Nadal. I'm well, excited for his 2032 Australian <laughs> Open. <laughs> <laughs> How old will he be in 2032? Oh, what was he now? 35, 36. He's born in 86, so in 32 he'd be 40, 46 years old. What's okay. mental is he, he will still have a, a, a fairly serious shout of being at least top 50. Yeah, if he wants to. If his knees haven't yeah. broken fully. That's big old if. Yeah. Big old if. All the best, Rafa. Congrats on the win. Um, but, so my favourite of these uh, sort of seven uh, Grand Slam comebacks, Bjorn Borg in the 1974 French Open finals, playing Manuel Orantes. So, Bjorn... He probably goes up. He's, he's, he, uh, I think he hadn't yet won a major at this point. He loses the first set 6-2. It's not great. He loses the second set 7-6. Close. Getting better. But nothing nothing would prepare you for what's coming next. He proceeds to go on and win 6-love, six 6-1, six 6-1. No. That is really? Crushes it. Only loses two games in the first three sets. That is playing with your dinner, that, isn't it? That's yeah, utterly ridiculous. That's a whole other podcast podcast episode right there. <laughs> but I mean, something presumably then snaps. That's his first major title. He went on to win eleven Grand Slams. Presumably, yeah, it was yeah, Manuel Orantes's racket on several occasions snapped out of thought, but or maybe a you know, a surprise injection after the uh, second set. How I mean, this this is the case obviously with all comebacks when you you feel like it's there. He must have felt so good about this. He's two sets up against someone who's never won a major title before. Cruising, and then I mean, I, it's probably more bearable now. He looks back and goes, "Actually, this ball kid, it turns out, was pretty good at tennis." Still be a bit upset. I've oh, yeah. actually heard of uh, Manuel Rentes before. Me not. No, not as a tennis player. Oh, I need. Have you heard of Emmanuel Orantes? Yeah. He was the yeah. tennis player. Yeah, no, my neighbour's called Emmanuel Orantes. He was a 2021 inductee into the International Tennis Hall of Fame. I don't know how you've not not, not got this. Very nice. Anyway. No, anyway. That, is, that is very impressive. I think... And that's it. I'm not sure my favourite of those is. Probably Nadal. Because you can just picture what Nadal has done. Yeah. To win, what was it, 6-4? Six, six, four, six, four. You know he just... 2-6, six, 6-7. Six four, six four, seven and five. Like, it was a slog throughout every. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, five sets of absolutely dread. And you know his style, right? And I really hit the ball like really, really hard. No, me neither. Or is that? He's war number one at the moment. Yeah, because uh, Wimbledon points don't count. What's your what's the what's the what's the beef with Medvedev? I just he's a very well, odious individual on the court. Uh, he's made some comments as well outside which are non-favourable yes. non-podcast appropriate either yes. uh, right so he's not quite lovable bad boy Nick Kyrgios he's, he's hateable bad boy Arse, yeah. Daniel Medvedev Kyrgios is like the difference is his heart is in the right place but yeah. has a terrible way of going about There's things ch- lots of charity work etc etc yeah. gone vegan to help save the planet etc Whereas just oh. just a knob. Is that, is that allowed? Really, I mean, you're really upset. You're really upsetting our Russian listener. Is <laughs> the our, our Russian bot that's just scraping. Matthew, it's a durok. You're a little Matthew. Just right back at you. You're a fool. <laughs> you're a fool. Nice. Enjoy uh, that, Rhys. Thank you. Anyway, thanks so much. I'm, uh, I'm going to go next with mine's yep. also tennis related. Uh, but my, I've kind of interpreted the word comeback slightly differently, um, as you may have expected. So mine's about Ash Barty, and probably most people know this story, but in case you don't know, um, 
Ash Barty was a so it turned turned into a professional tennis player in around 2010 um, and was extremely successful, well, fairly successful in the doubles game. Um, and then in 2014, she spoke to someone in the Australian women's cricket team and decided for two years she played cricket. Um, and this is, uh, yeah, I know, right? Just, you know, I think so. Yeah. I'm going to stack it all in for being bloody good at tennis, let's be honest. I mean, if you're playing in the top four slams, then you are good at tennis. Um, you can't sort of hide and be carried by your teammates. You're good enough to play there. And both in singles my, and doubles. Worthwhile. That's my hockey strategy. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, just to run through some stats before and after. So, tennis stats before her break, she was top 200 in the world um, reaching a career high of the second round of the French Open, the US Open, the double, she was very successful. She won in one year the Aussie Open, Wimbledon, and the US Open. So she won three slams, doubles. Um, mixed women's? Maybe women's, yeah. yeah. Uh, not mixed, sorry. Um, yeah. And then sacks it in nice. and then goes to a net session at a local cricket club, which is like. Um, 20 like it was a one of the best teams in the melbourne area for 2020 so it's kind of like playing county cricket i guess but for a much larger area and going there um went to the net session apparently didn't miss a single ball when being bowled at which is outrageous when you've got sort of professional tech cricket players yeah bowling you at fairly quick speeds it, i mean if you think of what Jimmy Anderson's can bowl nine, 80, 90, maybe 95 at the very quickest. Um, this would be fairly close to that, but maybe not as quick. And apparently she just rocks up and hits every single ball, which is like ridiculous. Nice. Um, and, and if you know what nets are, essentially it's just a corridor uh, filled with nets to simulate what a batting and bowling environment would be without need for a field. Um, you're welcome, Justin. Thanks for <laughs> the feedback. Love it. <laughs> Um, but anyways, right, so she realises she's too good for this team. She plays a couple of matches for them. In her first first match, it's not said what she did, but her second ever like professional cricket game, cricket match, she smashes uh, 63 from 60 balls. Um, and then, then a couple of matches later, hits century. Um, ridiculous. And this is in 2020 as well, by the way. So it's not like it's test cricket. She's got four days to sit there and, and, mm. and you know dig the trench. Oh, not the year 2020. Okay, that's right with you. Yeah. Um, and then she joins the top league for 2020 for women's, which is the Big Bash. The women, it's also a men's version as well for cricket. Um, and on her debut, she hits 39 runs off of 27 balls and a six as well. Pretty good. This is the maximum you can score. Um, ridiculous, right? But anyway, yeah. so she realizes she's good at tennis. She realizes she's good at cricket. She's just like... I'll go back to playing tennis. Probably for the money. Not confirmed. Mm. Could be a rumour. Um, <laughs> we haven't probably, got her agent on yeah, the phone. Yeah. <laughs> this is where we get sued. Um, I think she realised that her actually, she, she refound her love for the sport, basically, from playing cricket, playing whatever. Um, comes back three years later, she wins the French Open and then wins Wimbledon last year and the Aussie Open this year. Um, and obviously, like, huge in terms of if you think about yeah. some of the players that play full time for 10 years and don't even win a, win a tournament e.g. Medvedev who's won one Grand Slam and has been, been on the scene for what at least 10 years maybe yeah um, and um, and then the last sort of additional stat here is that she holds the fourth longest streak at world number one which is 114 consecutive weeks and she's only 26 what crazy i know only 26 and re-retired right um i thought i saw that she did retire this year but i couldn't confirm it she she again recently re-retired after Wimbledon. it's not officially yeah but i think she's still playing i think i saw a match result fairly recently don't remember this being accurate yeah i I know that i saw the statement saying she had retired but yeah i saw that yeah she just didn't enjoy it anymore like really recently after winning a slam just uh, quit wait so so she turns pro in what did you say 2010 
Yeah. yeah. So twelve years. So she'll have been. She'll t- she turned pro at fourteen. Okay, this makes more sense. What? Mm-hmm. None of it makes sense. It's absolutely mad. But because obviously, if she, if she was top two hundred before she went to play cricket, it's uh, obviously did, did pretty well in, in doubles. Um, yeah, and then coming back and suddenly hitting so many slams in a short period of time. I suppose yeah, she's what twelve years, what eight years older than when she stopped playing tennis in twenty fourteen. Makes makes a bit more sense that she's a kind of more in her like, athletic prime. Why why did she? Do we get a sense for why she changed from tennis to cricket in the first place? Uh, yeah, so I th- I think and this is really common with tennis players, right? They get shipped off to various camps and go to various places in the world to train basically cricket for, uh, tennis full time. And you're mm. what twelve, thirteen, fourteen, like. Murray spends a lot of time in Spain and Florida and whatever. Um, so I imagine you get to a point and you're like, you know what? This isn't going well for me. I'm not making that much money. I kind of want mm. to have a normal teenage like period of time. I think that's what she kind of quoted, which is totally valid. Um, probably just wanted to drink drink beers with the lads. Um, <laughs> of course. Not, not an official direct quote. Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting that she goes from tennis, which is a sport where obviously you have you're you are the sole focus on the course right there's no court there's nowhere to hide you, you it's the pressure's going to fall on you and then she goes to cricket which is a team spell a team sport but almost the next so almost the nearest team sport, team sport to tennis yeah exactly so maybe still sort of liked being out there in the in the spotlight yeah sort of and doing it from that young age is pretty solitary it is i don't know how more doing well i guess there probably are more than we're aware of that pack it in because they just realize it's not for them started too young in a sport they don't absolutely love love and can't stand doing it for 12 hours a day every day pretty much by yourself yeah yeah for sure how come how come if she's there in tennis camps working away at her craft day after day that's something to be admired but when i'm sitting at home playing fifa in the dark by myself that's not i need to go outside there's, there's talent and there's addiction. Yeah, that's quite good. That's quite Madness good. and genius. I can stop yeah. whenever I want to. I just never wanted to. <laughs> so uh, she is officially retired. I've just checked. Yeah. Um, so Ash Barty, if you're listening, if you fancy, uh, you know, <laughs> Hit around. fancy joining a pokey sort of podcast on sports statistics, um, then you know, reach out. Or if you lend your hands hockey, I know of a club. Actually, I bet she'd be pretty good. Obviously, she's clearly just good at everything. Yeah. One of those horrid people you just want to... Yeah, but imagine like being able to represent the top level at two sports. Right, okay, Maybe, can you represent top level at one sport? Multi-sport athletes would be a good a good uh, podcast as well, actually. It's Dion Sanders, who played American football. A.B. De Villiers. Oh, yeah? He, holds, and... he holds the... Uh, schoolboys record in like three athletics events in South Africa and he's obviously not bad at cricket well that explains why he hit, he took so many sort of quick singles yeah he, it's something ridiculous, like, I, I'm not sure what events but I think it might be something ridiculous like the 400 metres he still holds the record or something just disgusting like that that's crazy he's he's one of those just unbelievable all-round sports Men. Yeah, it runs a lot myself, actually. <laughs> nice. Right. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll take over here. I'll be quick because we're rapidly approaching an hour and I wanted to keep this, keep it succinct for all our listeners. You know, you don't want to run I'm over the daily so commute. much fun. Um, so much fun. Exactly. So are they. So my stats, I was going to let try and uh, let stats decide the best Champions League comeback in, in recent years. So before we get a flood of whingy Liverpool fans saying I haven't mentioned God slash Steven Gerrard and his comeback in Istanbul in 2005. It had they played to be a 12 minutes. 12 minutes of good football. Exactly. That's it. That's <laughs> exactly. it. Come at me, Liverpool. Alonso missed his penalty. Shouldn't have even gone in. But... That double save yeah. on Shevchenko. Yeah. You, didn't, you, you were lucky. Anyway, sorry, Phil. But anyway, so it had to be recent years. So, uh, and there is actually one Liverpool comeback in it. Uh, I've got the Liverpool-Barca 2019, Spurs-Ajax 2019, uh, and then Barca-PSG 17. So I'll go um, what I believe is worst to best. Uh, and let the other guys 
Chime in. Ooh, so worst the best. Okay. The worst all time com- comeback. The worst comeback. Yeah. They're all pretty still pretty good. good. Yeah. Um, so in what I believe is the third best. Um, Ajax Spurs in 2019. So Ajax had a fairly muted group stage, but then sort of became giant killers in the knockout stage. So they beat Real Madrid. Uh, they then beat Juve. And that included a 4-1 win um, against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. Um, they then won 1-0 at Spurs in the first leg um, and were 2-0 up at home in the second leg uh, up until the 55th minute of the game. So Spurs had 35 minutes to score three goals, essentially. Um, up steps uh, Lucas, uh, Lucas Moura, I believe, and... Uh, who gets a hat trick, including uh, a winner in the ninety plus sixth minute, uh, to send them through on away goals, um, and everyone Absolutely just went silly ballistic. Uh, and that was I remember seeing actually it was pretty pretty nuts. Um, but I put that third mainly because Tottenham are rubbish. Um, True. They then didn't win the tournament. Um, lost in probably the most boring Champions League final there's ever been. Um, Very possibly, and so yeah, doesn't really count. Ajax weren't brilliant either. Youngish team, inexperienced. Um, uh, except Southampton, old boy Dusan Tadic playing in a false nine. Yeah, and, and look where I got him. Um, so that's why I put it there. Very, very well, very well paced. Uh, second place, Correct. Liverpool, Barcelona, twenty nineteen. Um, so Ooh, yes. Barcelona were in <clears throat> truly ludicrous form. Um, up until that second leg game, they had scored 26 and only conceded six in the uh, 11 games they'd played in the Champions League that year. Um, that is mad. Messi was top scorer on 12 goals and he was actually top scorer for the whole Champions League season that year. With 12. <laughs> on 12 goals. Um, on 12 goals. Yep. Uh, they'd only failed to score once that Champions League campaign uh, up until that second leg of the semi final. Um, and yeah, so they went into the second leg trailing 3-0 Liverpool after the away leg. Um, so the mountains climb at home and they yeah they won 4-0 at home with that memorable quick corner from Trent to Divock Origi. Um, and yeah, to win it 4-0, obviously if Barca had scored, uh, I think what makes this so impressive is that if Barca had scored even one, um, one goal, uh, Liverpool would have needed five because of the away goal rule. So not only did they need three minimum to take it to extra time, they just they couldn't concede at all against a front three of Messi, Suarez. It wasn't Neymar then, I don't think. I think it was... Um, I'm not sure if he'd left by then. Neymar had gone. But, yeah, um, against a ludicrous front three, arguably with the best forward ever, who was on an absolute tear, 12 goals that year. They'd only not scored once, and they managed to keep a clean sheet against Barcelona. Which oh, Coutinho was there. There you go. Um, so that was my second favourite. And then my favourite um, was the Barca PSG in 2017. Um, yes, so that's the winner. So PSG had won 4-0 in Paris. Um, so Barca just as good as out of it as it can be. Um, fought back fairly gallantly, gallantly rather, uh, back to gallantly. 3-1. Yeah, valiantly, gallantly, emergency. Uh, it was 3-1 to Barcelona at the 87th minute. So, you know, won the game, but nowhere near enough. Um, and because of that away goal for PSG, um, they needed three goals in the remaining three minutes of the game to go through um, then proceeded to be the most ridiculous seven minutes of football I think I've ever seen because I've watched it live I think um, yeah. in a pub somewhere in central London um, Neymar in the 88th minute scored an unbelievable free kick from the edge of the box ridiculous wasn't it um, he then gets brought down um, correctly like not a dive for once it was actually a foul uh, and scores Shots. in the 91st minute, a penalty, 90 plus one, uh, to take it to 5-1. Uh, but five all on aggregate, PSG still going through on away goals. Uh, and then Sergio Roberto, who just is fairly, not nondescript, because he is a still a Barcelona player, but 
I think up he's until, a squad squad player, like right back. Yeah. Up until then, I think the most famous thing he'd ever done was uh, have Gareth Bale dribble around him on the sideline um, in the Copa del Rey final. I think that was Sergio Roberto. Um, but yeah, ninety plus fifth minute scores a volley to send them through, win six one on the day, six five on aggregate, and there were ninety six thousand people watching it at the new camp. <laughs> Um, How many of those do you reckon you left early to try and beat the traffic yeah. in the 86th minute? Well, you need three goals in three minutes. You're not, you're not backing that. Um, and yeah, and all all those three goals were amazing because the the build up to the penalty was impressive. Uh, the free kick was unreal. Roberto's volley was unbelievable. Um, and to score three goals in essentially what seven minutes to win six five on aggregate yeah. in front of ninety six thousand home fans. That, uh, that took the top spot for me. They did, I think, then lose in the next round, actually, sadly. Um, but clearly used up all that energy in the last game. But that was my ranking. What do you reckon? Do you guys agree? So just very, very quickly, it's worth mentioning that actually um, Barcelona won that game 6-1. In yeah. Champions League semi-final, was it? Uh, no, I think that was round of 16. It was the first knockout round of 16. game. A 6-1 win is just almost unheard of in yeah. Champions League because the teams are so closely matched together. Um, I'm struggling to not be biased here with my own sort of like feelings in the, and things like that. I can't look at it from a stats perspective because I watched the Spurs-Ajax game and obviously I was cheering Spurs on despite you know, them being very much the most budget team in London, including Daniel Hebridge. Um but uh, and and watching yeah Moura score bloody hat trick was was class. But I think it has to be. I think I think you might be right here. If you win six one in the Champions League, then that that, that I mean that's and you're in the eighty seventh minute and you still need three yeah. goals and you do it and they were all ridiculous. <laughs> it Absolutely was outstanding. It was silly. It was silly. That PSG that PSG team was pretty good actually. And uh, Lucas Moura on the receiving end of that. Of that beating yeah, that he later been. hands out to Ajax. Um, yeah, I mean that's it. Spurs still had thirty-five minutes, and it was a relative. It was a young Ajax team. They're kind of playing to the edge of their like abilities, and I think that's where they ended up getting poached. De Jong and um, yeah. De Ligt shortly afterwards. I, I watched that Barca game live. That and like Neymar just put that team on his back and went for it. And it was just incredible. Like one of those you don't really believe what you're seeing. I wonder I wonder how many left the stadium because I remember there were stories earlier on this year, the, the Real Madrid-Man City game yeah. where they scored a couple of... Couple, and then you hear that the you can minutes. hear the cheering and they yeah. you can't be readmitted. Yeah, a couple of fans sitting outside who can just hear... I'm watching it, they end up watching it on their phone. There's pictures of fans on their oh. phones watching in like the car park. It'd be so crushed. Yeah. So crushed. But that, I mean, that was just... I've got a soft spot for, for Barcelona. Just uh, love Messi. Big fan of Neymar, actually, even though Phil clearly diving aside. Really? Yeah, but he should he should be everyone's favourite player for some reason. Like if you look at the the he's two footed, he's got unreal Joy of the skills. Game. He's got great vision. He's so creative. It's, he should be absolutely everyone's sort of favourite player. But obviously, he's got this sort of rep of um, of going down quite easily. Yeah, he, he's probably been kicked quite a lot throughout his career, and he's. Obviously, he had a bit of a wild streak, which just need to endear him to people that much. But no, like, we, we save this for um, who? Who would you put in sort of close to being as good as Neymar? Maybe name maybe two others. Uh, what now in general? Yeah, like, uh, or like 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 good at football or good at um, doing cool stuff. Okay, so basically, what, what I'm trying to say is. That- <laughs> Sorry, lovely. That the mute didn't work. By the way, that was. Uh... Sorry. <laughs> Good. Yeah, that. Still muted, but yeah, basically. So I think a future episode should be a comparison of maybe you pick Neymar, I pick Ronaldo, Phil picks, I don't know, Mbappe or Messi, and we have a, a stat off. A stat off. Finally, figure out. Who is best? We'll work it out. Yeah. People, the people have been waiting for us to come in and work it out. Exactly. Speaking And of... one of the stats can be... Oh, sorry. One of the stats can be dives per game. <laughs> it's a negative factor. 
Yeah. Speaking of future episodes, uh, episode four is uh, is going to be David versus Goliath. So uh, if if one of our hundreds of listeners um, fancies sending in either their favorite comeback story uh, or their favorite David versus Goliath story, we'll uh, we'll get it on the next episode uh, in a couple weeks' time. Uh, as usual, it's podcast.sportingaverage at gmail.com or on Twitter at sportinglyavg. And there are rumors we might be starting an Instagram account and bombarding you with our favorite stats on a daily basis um, once I work out what Instagram is. So I think I'm the only 28-year-old <laughs> on the planet without an Instagram. Um, but other than that, any final thoughts, lads? Before we uh, wrap up uh, this I, week's, I I also don't have Instagram. Oh god, we're, just god, we're losers, aren't we? Correct. I mean, we are honest. We're sitting in our own homes, talking about sports statistics, looking at each other like directly in the eyes. Of course, we're losers. Jokes You're on not, you! Uh, you lowered the screen house. so we can see. <laughs> we see more of you. Yes, we do. I'm in my mum's house, so jokes on you. <laughs> <laughs> Speak yourself, mate. I'm in my I'm in my office, so uh, kind of kind of a big deal. Many books, many leather-bound books. <laughs> no, I think that's that's it. Some some good statting this week. That's all I'd say. Mm. And I can't wait yeah. to see what we all come up with next week. Yeah, well done, Lionesses again. Football's home. Yeah, football is and, home. Uh, Ash Barty, if you're listening, get in touch. There is a because place for a Phil wants to, Phil wants to play you at tennis. Exactly. Bring it on. No, please don't. <laughs> what's wrong with your current? Uh, what's wrong with your current tennis uh, partner? Not much competition, you know. Not much competition. That's right. She doesn't uh, listen. I mean, she, to, went, she, went, she doesn't listen one hour five minutes in. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Pleasure, lads. Cheers, guys. See you in the next episode. Cheers. See you in the next episode. Thank you.